Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Gardeners of the Galaxy, a podcast for all of the sentient beings in the universe who have a passion for plants. I am Emma the Space Gardener and I will be your host as we explore gardening on Earth and beyond. My guest on this week's show is Dr Javier Medina, a space plant biologist with the Spanish National Research Council. He works with the European Space Agency to send plant experiments into space and collaborated with NASA on the seedling growth experiments which we heard about from Dr John Kiss in episode 5. Hello, Javier. It's great to have you on Gardeners of the Galaxy. Hello. My pleasure. So we're going to talk today about plants in space, which is what you've been working on for uh, pretty much your entire career. So for you, why do you think it's important that we learn how to grow plants in space? Well, it is, uh, is, uh, growth of plants in space is one of the objectives uh, of the uh, space biology and space research in general. Why? Because uh, plants are a necessary companion of humans in any enterprise of uh, space exploration. Apart from other uh, objectives, which are more directly related to uh, basic science, so to culture plants in space can give us uh, some interesting answer to the, in general, to our knowledge on how plants function. Function. But the direct objective, the objective that uh, mobilizes resources and uh, really is in the in the interest of the society and the humanity in general, is because plants are, I say, a necessary companion of humans in any uh, space exploration initiative that could be uh, uh, undertaken. Yeah. Uh, plants uh, can offer many things that uh, uh, solely plants can offer. They are food and we can eat, uh, humans can eat more things than, 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 than plants. But plants offer a, a mixture of uh, very interesting and unique uh, uh, nutrients which are uh, necessary, mandatory for the human nutrition. But uh, in addition, plants uh, have an in interesting uh, feature of uh, exchange of gases so that they can contribute to purify the, uh, the air to increase, of course, the amount of uh, breathable o oxygen. They are the only, the, the, the only uh, organism uh, producing photosynthesis, so producing really uh, oxygen and uh, removing CO2. So they are very interesting features for the human life. And uh, last but not least, uh, plant cultures offer a sort of uh, psychological well-being for humans. So we all, all of us are accustomed to have plants in our houses, yeah. in gardens. We go to the park, we go to the, to the country, and in all these occasions we meet plants and we experience some well-being well, well in, in taking this contact and uh, taking relationship with plants. And astronauts say, in, in many cases, astronauts say that this feature of plants is the number one for them, yeah. because yeah. Uh, they they put the green point in the in the spaceship, uh, which produces uh, an interesting, a very very good uh, feeling for 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 them. So for all these reasons, and probably I have left some other interesting <laughs> too. Well, I, I think this we have a, a list of things that plants can do, and only plants can do for making possible the space exploration for for humans. Brilliant, thank you. 
So you worked on the first European space plant biology experiment, and that was in 2003, and it was carried out by the first Spanish astronaut. So can you tell us a bit about that experiment? Yeah, it was an interesting, uh, uh, an interesting occasion. First of all, at that time, uh, we were all fascinated by the International Space Station. At that time, the station had only two modules, yeah. one American and one Russian module. This coincided also with the, a very tragic, tragic uh, and uh, unfortunate experience, which was the, the tragedy, the accident of the Columbia with the, the unfortunate death yeah. of uh, astronauts and so on. And this put even in danger uh, many, many plants of, uh, of the, for the future of uh, space research uh, and so on. And at that time, we were fortunate that, uh, well, really, uh, Europe took a very interesting initiative which was while we think more deeply whether or not we should continue on the, with the construction of the station and how we can manage all these uh, questions, well, uh, we can mobilize the resources of individual countries, individual European countries, yeah. under the coverage of the European Space Agency and use the Russian uh, capabilities of uh, traveling, of going with a very well-experienced uh, vehicle, the Soyuz, Vehicle. Yeah. So we could organize some small missions, 10 days long, of individual European uh, countries, but all of the, with the coverage of the agencies, not, not individual uh, isolated uh, initiative, but European, really European uh, initiatives. And Spain uh, associated to that, to that idea and was organized the, the first uh, Spanish Soyuz mission, which was under the name of uh, Cervantes, our glory, uh, internationally acknowledged, and uh, with the participation of Pedro Duque, now the Minister of Science in, in, in Spain, in the Spanish government, the mission and the experiment, which was called Root, eh, Root uh, was a success. Fortunately, we were capable of growing Arabidopsis seedlings, in very um, difficult conditions, but we, we succeeded. Yeah. And the analysis uh, gave us an interesting result, which was the disruption of the meristematic activity in the root meristem. Well, probably you will ask uh, what is the meristem and what is the meristematic activity. Well, in the root tip and also in the, in the stem tip, uh, throughout all the life of the plant, there are some cells which are called meristematics, which are like the stem cells, are the mother cells, cells which are undifferentiated and is a, a special feature of plants, which is extended throughout all the life. They are undifferentiated, but they are capable of being differentiated to any kind of specialized cell in the plant. Yeah. So this meristematic tissue is fundamental for, for development because it's the source of cells for plant growth and development. So the specialization of this meristematic tissue is to have a continuous cycle of cellular growth and division. And everything should be, in the, in the normal uh, physiology of this tissue, should be very well coordinated between these processes. Well, we discovered that the microgravity environment was capable of disrupting this coordination. Okay. So the, the, this means the result, which was, well, was shocking. Yes. Eh? And this could be uh, very important for, for the development of plants. If we would like to, to grow plants, this effect would be deleterious for the normal growth of plants. And was an interesting result. Okay. So, I mean, uh, 
when you got that result, it must have looked as though it would be very difficult to grow plants in space. But your next series of experiments looked at a way that you might be able to to correct that problem, what, didn't you? You worked with John Kiss and his team at NASA um, on a series of experiments called seedling growth. So what did you learn there that makes it easier to grow plants in space? Well, starting from the results that we got in the, in the Soyuz experiment, our uh, objectives were essentially two. On the one hand, first of all, of course, to confirm the result. Yeah. And for that uh, purpose, we used uh, um, the so-called ground-based facilities. So devices or facilities in the Earth, present in different laboratories, that could simulate microgravity and with the, without the need of going again to the space to try to confirm with different, with other uh, more powerful techniques. Yeah. And uh, so uh, we confirm that uh, the, the results that we got in the, in the ISS was uh, really uh, true yeah. and was confirmed. The second objective was to try to find a method to counteract this anomaly, this uh, unwanted effect. Yeah. And in, in that sense, the interaction with uh, John Keyes was fantastic. John Keyes is uh, an, an expert in the effect of light on the plant physiology. In addition, he had an important, uh, impressive previous experience on the uh, plant space biology. He uh, had discovered some new tropistic responses to the light uh, in the absence of gravity. So he is an expert in phototropism, and he had discovered in the tropy experiment that uh, in the absence of gravity, the plants developed a new phototropistic responses to the red light that did not exist under, under normal gravity. So we were able to combine in our respective interests. We tried to test whether or not light could be this counteracting uh, stimulus that we were looking for to counteract the effect of the absence of gravity. We had studied in previous uh, papers published in the in ground research that red light was a very appropriate uh, stimulus for our purpose because red light uh, was sensed by the cell with uh, special receptors called phytochromes. And these phytochromes produce specifically the activation of those processes that we were interested in counteracting the damage caused by microgravity, yeah. specifically the growth, the cell growth and the cell proliferation. And again, fortunately, <laughs> we get success. The interaction was fantastic. Our respective teams interacted fantastically. Uh, I am very, very happy to have worked with such a fantastic team as the John Keys one and uh, with John uh, in person. Who is a, well, a fantastic person? <laughs> yes, and you you won an award, and your team and and John's team won an award from NASA, didn't you, for your collaboration? Mm -hmm. So that's yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was happy really in working with in this atmosphere of international cooperation that really exemplifies the objective of the of the ISS as the most important human uh, peaceful international cooperation enterprise. It's nice. It's very nice. <laughs> so your experiments so far have been working with Arabidopsis, mm -hmm. um, which is the model plant that plant biologists use for study. But you're now working to transfer that knowledge onto edible species. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us which species you're investigating? Yeah, 
up to now, of course, the use of Arabidopsis has been mandatory because, uh, well, space experimentation has the constraints that uh, it is only very few experiments and there are constraints of space, constraints of resources, and so on. So Arabidopsis was mandatory because the results should be uh, capable of being analyzed by the scientific community. And scientific community understand the genomes of Arabidopsis perfectly. So Arabidopsis is not edible. Arabidopsis is not uh, especially nice <laughs> or <especially laughs> beautiful. It's a weed. <laughs> it's a weed, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Arabidopsis, of course, has the capability of extending the results uh, obtained in, in this mother species to other. Arabidopsis has also an advantage, which is the family to which it belongs. Arabidopsis belongs to the family of Brassicaceae. Brassicaceae is a crucifera, is a family of plants composed by many uh, edible plants, many plants that we normally use, like uh, cabbage, like broccoli, like mustard, for example, radish. Uh, there are many vegetables that belong to the same family of Arabidopsis. We are now working in a project now uh, in some ground-based facilities together with an Italian group, uh, with uh, Professor Giovanna Arone. We are working in uh, Brassica oleracea which is the uh, cabbage. We have a contact with Arabidopsis and we are directly comparing the result of the, the same experiment performed in Arabidopsis and in, in, in Brassica. Of course, this cannot be uh, the only example. And uh, in that sense, the, the results of, of NASA with the veggie hardware cultivating uh, lettuce uh, has been a milestone in this, uh, in this story. They have been capable of using already different edible, different crop plants. Of course, uh, for, for that purpose, the knowledge obtained in Arabidopsis was, is, and will be, eh, will be necessary. So the use of crop plants doesn't mean that we have to abandon the use of Arabidopsis because we need to know more basic uh, science in order to be immediately applied. But uh, the transition from the model to the to the to the crop plant is being done, and uh, in Europe we are beginning with the, this brassica more closely related phylogenetically as parents, yeah. eh? parents biological parents of Arabidopsis. In America and uh, in NASA, they are jumping a little bit farther to try directly, but uh, well, everything has advantages and disadvantages. We got probably more information, more uh, scientific information. They get, well, the, the direct use of the plant culture in the, in the station. They have uh, snacked the lettuce culture in the, in, in the station, dressed with uh, olive oil. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was a very exciting moment, I think. Yeah. So, <laughs> so looking forwards then, because you've been talking about a small greenhouse going to the moon very soon when we have crewed missions. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, this is a real objective uh, of the first mission with the human presence in, in the moon. As I told just at the beginning of, the, of our conversation, plants are the necessary companion. So if uh, the first astronauts putting the foot on the moon uh, have no plants, this means that the load of the vehicle should be increased. Because in any case, 
they have to eat plants. Either if they culture in the moon or they carry with them in the spaceship. So the question of the establishment of this uh, greenhouse is necessary. My group uh, is not directly involved in that. Although really uh, the efforts towards these objectives are mostly carried out by means of this special hardware for the use of crop plants that he is being installed in the ISS. So they are really the model from which the moon greenhouse will be constructed. Thanks to the experience gained with the American hardware, the veggie, vegetable production system, and also the advanced plant habitat. They are really taking special care in the growing conditions in order to, uh, to, to use as much as possible the knowledge acquired in the space research, in the basic space research and the damages and the stresses, the countermeasures imposed by the stresses discovered to occur in plants. And on the other hand, let's say to the gardener's experience. So how to, to use the best soil. The soil is a problem, really, to use. They are experiments uh, using the uh, regoliths of, uh, of the moon. And uh, the discoveries uh, now uh, point that uh, this kind of, uh, of material is possible to be used, but complemented with other nutrients that make easier for plants to grow and to take to extract the nutrients from this kind of, of soil. So this experience of the Americans uh, of NASA in the ISS with the use of these new facilities for growing crop plants in the, in the station is probably the most uh, helpful to get the objective of the, 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 the moon greenhouses. Now we are engaged in a process of reorganizing, re designing a facility which is presently in the European module of the, in the Columbus module of the ISS long time ago, which is the Biolab. And uh, we are now engaged in a, the plant science community, European, in trying to uh, redesign this uh, facility for the use of experiments involving the full life cycle of plants from seed to seed to grow plants throughout all the life and to produce seeds in space yes. and also to extending the use of Arabidopsis to this kind of crop plants. And this, the European one is uh, still on design, but probably will be very useful because it will have some elements for analysis that the American facilities don't have. For example, the use of a, of a centrifuge for reproducing different levels of gravity. This is very important on the one hand for having a 1G control in space to trying to test the effects of space factors other than gravity is very, very, very important. And also to mimic, to reproduce the gravity of Mars or the, or the gravity of the moon in conditions of, of, uh, of space. All this knowledge will make possible relatively easily to pass from the uh, greenhouse in the in the ISS to the greenhouse in the moon. So if you were going to join a colony on the moon or on Mars and you could only take one plant with you, what would you choose? I, I feel like astronaut and I say a flower could be the best. Yeah. <laughs> could be the best. I don't eat flowers, but uh, the, the well-being and the happiness and the relax that offers the culture of a flower and the looking a flower, the meditation capabilities that uh, yeah. a flower can and the relax a flower can uh, 
can give you is uh, in, in, incomparable. But the flower is finally uh, the the botanical the botanical uh, organism that reconciles you with nature, with the world, and with many other things, and also expresses even expresses feelings of uh, of fraternity, feelings of uh, humanity. It can be shared. Uh, it can represent the best of the human feelings. So probably will be the flower. The senia that was cultured in the station is a very, very beautiful uh, plant very pretty, that uh, yes. is worth to be uh, in this kind of enterprises. Good choice. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your work. It's been fascinating. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Uh, this kind of uh, the space research, space adventure, space travel space exploration, looking to the space, looking to stars, all these kind of things uh, are so deep in our mind that attracts the interests of humanity in these things. I can say that uh, we have to go there. <laughs> <laughs> we do. So, thank you. Adios, adios. During the interview when Javier and I are talking about roots, we should have said that it was the first European space plant experiment on the International Space Station. It wasn't the first ever European space plant experiment. Now that that's cleared up, that's it for this episode. I want to give a big Gardeners of the Galaxy shout out to Caroline, who very kindly supported the show this week. Thank you, Caroline. Caroline used the virtual tip jar on my website, theunconventionalgardener.com, which is where you'll find the show notes for this episode. If you want to become a regular supporter of the show, you can sign up via patreon.com forward slash gardeners of the galaxy to gain access to extended episodes and bonus content. I'll be back next week with an interview with Joya Massa, one of the NASA scientists working on the veggie growing system. Joya and I will be talking about the challenges of growing plants in space, how NASA selects the best crop varieties, and when astronauts might be able to tuck into that first space tomato. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Orbital Gardens, this is Mission Control. We are confirming termination of your signal. Unfortunately, we have also lost your movie requests, so we have picked you The Martian and Frozen. Uplink commencing now. Mission Control out.